You're listening to Hey Bitches Podcast, episode 83. Bitches, what is up, you guys? Welcome back to Hey Bitches Podcast. Hope you guys are having an incredible day. Today's episode is an episode that you guys have been requesting left and damn right for me lately. It's been in my DMs, it's in my YouTube comments, it's literally just like my friends will text me about this. And I think it's really because, you know, I was able to go full time this year with my influencer career. But all of these questions are things that I definitely had the same questions before I got to the point where I'm at today. So instead of me just creating like a copy paste answer type of situation, which probably will not be like super in depth, I decided to pop on here and just talk through literally everything that you need to know about how to work with brands as an influencer. This episode is going to be very valuable. So without further ado, let me get into it. Step number one. Step number one is to get really clear on what you have to offer. I know I, me, I'm just like, you know what? I roll my eyes at the word niche. Like I've just, I feel like everybody's sick of hearing it, but it's absolutely true. And so I'm kind of on like a double-edged sword situation for me personally, because being in the lifestyle category, it literally means that you can talk about everything or nothing at all. And so it's kind of a double-edged sword because you're like, how am I supposed to be, you know, clear on what I offer if I'm in lifestyle, like lifestyle means like life. And I was like, you know what? I totally get it because I'm in the same damn boat. But the thing is, is you need to decide like what exactly you want to talk about when it comes to whatever your niche is. This is easier if you like have a defined niche. So like maybe your niche is, you know, artisan cocktails. Maybe it's fashion. Maybe it's makeup and beauty. Maybe it's just hair care and wigs. Like whatever it is, you need to just figure out exactly what you bring to the table and what your audience like loves and likes to see from you. Now, if you're like me in the lifestyle category, you basically can talk about almost anything because you're not pinned down to one niche. And like I said, this is a double-edged sword, both in growth and, and deals and all of that. So I wouldn't necessarily choose the lifestyle route unless you're like, lifestyle is where I want to be. This is how I want to show up. Then just understand that it definitely is like the harder option. However, there are so many different categories in lifestyle that I encourage you to just like pick a handful that you're definitely going to be talking about on a consistent basis so that your audience knows what they can get from you, like in terms of content and what you're sharing. And then also it's way easier to find brands that align, which we will talk about later on. But for me, for example, I talk about confidence. I do a little fashion here and there. I like to do skincare, beauty, hair care, which I kind of just categorize all into just beauty. And I like business. So like productivity, routines. So those are kind of the lifestyle categories that I talk about. And that's that really helps me to just solidify and be able to create content consistently that my audience is expecting from me without you know, falling into the lifestyle trap of talking about like everything and nothing at all. So if you're out here like, okay, cool. Like I know my niche categories and stuff, but like, also I don't really know how to create content around it. I would encourage you to listen to episode 79. This is literally, it's the episode about how I went from my nine to five to being a full-time influencer. But in the end, I give you all of the tips on how I break down, you know, content categories, how I batch all of my content so that I can always be consistent and always have content going out on platforms. So if you're struggling with that, episode 79 is 
definitely where it's at and it'll help you with step one, which is to get really clear on what you have to offer. Step number two is to look at the brands that you already love. There's a very high chance that you probably use so many different brands for so many different things. So what I encourage you to do is literally just look at what you're already using and then add them to the list of brands that you potentially could pitch. Literally sitting here right now, I'm looking, I, you know, I just redid my house. So I've got like Benjamin Moore paint, Ray Dunn mugs, like I use Canon cameras. I use, you know, LaMarca Prosecco is one of my favorite Proseccos. Like I can identify so many different brands that I use every single day or very often in my life that I would love, love, love to work with. So the first thing I definitely would do is look, I guess, quote unquote, internally, because the chances are that there's so many brands that you already are organically buying That also makes it a lot easier for when you pitch the brand. You can be like, hey, I already use this. Like maybe you already, you know, created organic content for them or XYZ. And it'll make it easier when you pitch them, which is like later on. But definitely take a look at all of the brands that you currently use and add them to a list. Step number three, after you've gone and you've identified the brands or the products that you use every day, is to find influencers in similar niches to you and then analyze the type of brands or people that they're tagging in their content. So for me, I actually used to have a program that did this for me. However, it recently just shut down. So now I'm doing it manually where I'm identifying influencers that I like and I'm literally going through their feed and clicking on their photos and seeing like, you know, who they're tagging, X, Y, Z. Now, everybody in influencer tags isn't necessarily like always working with them. Like they could have just bought the item. Like that is very possible. And I think that's possible for like probably 80% of the content that you're coming across is just organic tagging. However, if you really like the brand and you would like to work with them, add them to the list because just because they're not paying that person doesn't mean that they wouldn't, you know, potentially want to work and pay with you because, you know, maybe they just didn't have the budget at the time that that person reached out and maybe they do now and XYZ. There's literally so many factors. So if you see a brand that somebody else has tagged that you necessarily like don't follow, but you're like, this is really like the vibe. Like, I think I would vibe with this brand. Add them to your pitch list because chances are, if you're finding people who are in your similar niche, they're also tagging brands that you would also like. So I definitely would just encourage going through, seeing who they're tagging, seeing who they're working with. Instagram also has made this like a little bit easier. So you can see if they have like the paid partnership tool enabled, you can see if it's a paid partnership. So that means like that it is, you know, a paid partnership and that influencer is getting paid to promote that brand. So that is more of like an easy identifier when it comes to, you know, seeing who is actually paying versus like if it's an organic tag. But like I said earlier, regardless of if this influencer is getting paid or not, if you think the brand that they're tagging is something that you vibe with, then, you know, toss them a follow, give them a few likes, add them to your brand pitch list, and then find like, I don't know, probably 10 other people to pad your pitch list with of influencers that you like 
like, and then look through all of the different brands that they're working with. Step number four is to get your admin in order. So this is my favorite part. I guess one of my favorite parts. We know I love organization. I'm very type A when it comes to especially pitching brands. Like I love systems and workflows and all of that. And I'm encouraging you to do the same because the further that we get into this whole situation, the more organization I think you actually will benefit from. So I'm talking about it early before we get into like the juicy deets on how to pitch brands because trust me, setting a foundation will help you so much. First things first, get a branded email, okay? Like I literally cannot tell you how unprofessional it looks to companies when you're sending them a message with like a Gmail account or an Outlook account or whatever. Professional URLs are, or not URLs, professional like emails with your own URL, they're literally like $5 a month. You don't have to do any hosting or like anything like that. Buy your URL. Maybe you already own your URL and you literally have not set up your branded email. Just do it. Like I use G Suite. I pay like $7 a month and I have my own branded email. I can add emails. So if I have an assistant, I can add an email under my own domain, all of this kind of stuff. So get a branded email because otherwise, like, I don't know, it just looks unprofessional and like you don't take what you're doing seriously enough to even brand yourself to having like a branded email. You know what I mean? So please just do it. Just please, please get yourself a branded email. Next, you want to set up a workflow. So you guys know I am big on Trello. I love Trello. I use Trello for literally everything. I've talked about it in so many episodes. I have a Trello episode on the podcast. I have a Trello YouTube video. Like I love Trello. So you would think that I would use Trello for this. However, I don't. I use a spreadsheet. I am a big proponent for like the Excel spreadsheet as well. I think this is like a side effect of business school because they literally make you learn how to do everything under the sun in Excel. So I love Excel now. So what I do is I actually use my Excel sheet to create my list of brands that I want to work with. And then I also set it up so I can like visually see my follow-up funnel. And you might be like, girl, why aren't you using Trello for that? And it's just because I don't want to drag and drop. Like I like checkboxes so I can like create the checkboxes in Excel and I can be like, okay, well, I sent the initial email. Did I send the follow-up? Did I da 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 And like I have spaces for notes and all of that. And so it is very set up personalized to me. So I would encourage you to just open your own Excel and kind of mess around with your own layout. But what I like to do is have a category for brand. I have a category for the email, the category for the name of the contact, and then I'll have like a follow-up one, two, three, and then next to those, I'll have the notes type of situation. That's kind of how I set mine up. Very, very basic. I have different you know, filters and stuff like that on mine because I've been doing this for a hot minute, but that is kind of like the basic setup of my admin situation. Something else that you also need to do is download a mail tracker. And so for me, I use mail tracker. It's literally called like, I think it's mailtracker.io. I think it's for Gmail specifically. And it does exactly what (laughs) the title is. So when you send an email, it will track the status of it. So you can see when it's opened, you can see if it's been forwarded, you can see all of this kind of stuff. And I love it because it allows me to have better understanding of where my email is in someone's inbox. I like to see when people open it because it makes it easier if I can like follow up with them earlier than I guess I would have followed up with anything else. And then you can also see if they forwarded it. Maybe you're not the right person. Like there's so many options and there's so many just benefits to having a mail tracker. I also really like to use the mail tracker passive aggressively with companies who 
ghost you after like your invoice is due because I had that situation happen to me earlier in the year and they were just like opening my emails, opening my, opening all of my emails because I send it with a mail tracker, but like with the version that I have, you can remove the little thing. So it still sends it, but they don't know that you sent it with a mail tracker. So then I would get passive aggressive if they were just emailing or reading my emails and ghosting me. I would start sending it with the mail tracker so you could see it at the bottom that it was like sent with mail tracker. And then I would like in the email be like, hey, I'm sending this with the mail tracker. I can see when you're opening this type of thing. And a lot of the time that elicits a response. And I guess that's my my tip and trick for if you have invoices past due of people who just like refuse to acknowledge that you're emailing them. But mail tracker overall, I use when I send out the pitches. So I have a better understanding of like what's being opened, what's not being opened, X, Y, Z. Step number five, after getting your admin situation in order is to find the emails. So you already have the the list of brands that you like. You have your admin in order with your little spreadsheet situation with the brands in the spreadsheet. Okay. Don't forget to do that (laughs) because then what you're going to do is find the emails for every brand that you have on that list. Now you might be like, Carly, I swear to God, if you just are going to gloss over this and be like, find their email, step six, like I will crucify you. And I get it. (laughs) I get it. Okay. Like finding the emails for brands is literally the hardest part for new influencers. And I think just influencers in general, because this knowledge is not really, I guess, well shared. So I'm sharing it with you guys. You guys probably know the struggle of like going onto a brand's like actual website or clicking on their contact info on Instagram and they're like, our email is like hello at brand.com. And you're like, oh my God, probably everybody and their dog emails this like email. Like it's probably not even going to the right person. Like, will they forward it to the influencer people? Like, I have literally no idea, but I don't know where else to find an email. And, you know, maybe they have influencers at xyzbrand.com, but like, how many people realistically are emailing that? And, you know, how often do they monitor? that email. All of these questions. I get it because I used to also only pitch these these emails. However, something that has really changed my life is an app called Clearbit. So Clearbit is a Gmail only extension that lets you search companies and produces any public emails that they've scraped from the web. So that means you could literally type in any company. Like you could type in like Apple. And they would produce any emails that they've been able to scrape from the web and then attach them to like people who are in the company. So you can literally type in like whatever brand is on your list and there's a high chance, probably like a nine out of 10 chance that there will be an email that is not like a hello whatever type of email that you'll be able to send your pitch to. So a lot of the time what I'll do is I will type in the brand or you know whatever I'm trying to pitch or find and then from there it'll produce you with a list. It'll give you their name, it'll give you their email and it most likely will give you their position. Sometimes it doesn't and I have to do a little bit of digging but a lot of the time it will give you their position. So what I like to do is type in this little like search bar. I like to use like marketing. I'll look up influencer. I'll look up PR, those type of keywords. So then I can find the right people to send these emails to versus like the generic inbox type of email that they have. That's very like apparent and ready on all of their socials versus like the person who actually handles what you're trying to do. Clearbit literally is an absolute life changing extension. Like it is just 
it really has changed my life. I've been able to do so many brand deals and get in contact with so many people because I have this little app situation. So literally, this is probably one of the most valuable tips I could give you guys right right smack dab in the middle of the episode. So Clearbit, Gmail extension, get yourself a Gmail branded email because then you can just use all of these apps like together on your G Suite and thank me later. Next up is crafting your pitch. So this is something that I also see a lot of influencers, including myself, like before I really had the knowledge that I do today, struggle with because they obviously are super excited to work with this brand and they want to seem valuable and da 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 and you definitely need to seem valuable and be valuable to this company. However, the number one mistake that I see influencers do when they email brands is send them fucking paragraphs. Okay. Like genuinely, I promise you the brand does not need your life story. And I don't even care if you're like, yeah, but I survived a shark attack and then I was in the hospital for eight years and then I did it and then I did it and I started a blog and a YouTube channel and literally cut it down, like knock it the fuck off, cut it down to like three sentences. Like this is like, this is like marketing school 101. Okay. Get yourself an elevator pitch because if you can't describe what you do or who you are in the time that it takes to take an elevator, which is like, I don't know, 30 seconds, then how the fuck like are you going to pitch yourself to anyone? So cut your shit down. Like You don't need to be sending people four paragraph emails. Like we're all busy. Like we're all fucking busy, regardless if you're the influencer or the person who works at the company or anybody in between. We all have a limited amount of time and by sending these people these big ass emails, you're wasting their time and they know that that is going to waste their time. So they're not even fucking reading them. So cut that shit down. Okay. Like significantly if you're sending like big ass emails, for example, my pitch email is like max, maybe seven sentences long. It also is like broken down into good digestible paragraphs. So like in the first thing, it'll be like, Hey, I'm Carly. I'll give my elevator pitch. I'd love to work with you. I talk like very briefly about, you know, what I think a great partnership would look like and be like, okay, like, thank you so much for your time. If this is of interest to you, let me know. And it is just, it's just short and sweet. Like you don't need to wow them with all of your accomplishments right off the bat. You literally just need to get your foot in the door. The first email is a a foot in the door email. Like you just need to get there. So then, then you get a reply and then you can start really discussing, you know, maybe more of your story or more of why you bring value or X, Y, Z in the reply email, because chances are they're going to ask you, you know, about your story and why you think you're a good fit and X, Y, Z. So keep it short, keep it fucking simple, be like gracious and professional, but don't be like, you know, don't drag it on. Don't, don't send the fucking paragraphs, okay? Like, I beg of you, please. Something else that I think is just like an absolute waste of time bullshit type of situation, which I think is a controversial opinion in this whole like space of pitching brands, is having a media kit is low-key kind of useless. Like, it really, it really is, and let me tell you why. So first things first, including your media kit in an email to an email that you've never sent an email to before literally on like nine out of 10 corporate servers. And like by corporate servers, I do mean like they just don't have like an office 
G Suite account, okay? Like they have IT departments that create their email servers. So they're just a corporate server so that if you wanted to, you could log on to the corporate server on your laptop or you could log on to the corporate server at your desk in the corporation type of thing. This is not just like like a Gmail Outlook type of situation. Yes, those platforms can be used in corporations, but like the back end, like the IT situation is it's a corporate server. Like it's not just like, you know, your Google fucking cloud service or your Azure fucking Microsoft cloud service. Like it's just not like that. So when it comes to corporate servers, their like biggest thing is like they don't want spam. They don't want spam in anybody's inboxes. So when you are sending a cold email, which is an email that you have obviously never sent to somebody before, they've never sent you an email. When you're sending a cold email and an attachment, it literally nine times out of 10 gets marked as spam because they're like, who is emailing this and why do they have an attachment? I mean, obviously there's exceptions to these rules in like the computer situation, but I would rather not attach my media kit the first time than attach all of this like type of information and then chance having that email not be opened ever because it's been flagged and it never reached the person that it was supposed to. So I would just not do it. Like just don't include your media kit in your first email. It's like, I guess, okay to have a media kit but honestly, like they're pretty outdated when it comes to like influencers. And by influencers, like I do mean like the people who just have Instagrams or just YouTubes or just like a combination of those. They don't have blogs. They don't have like fitness apps where they collect this like consumer analytic type of stuff. They more so just have those type of analytics. It's like, this is my growth rate every month and this is like my average reach and da da da. And there's no point in making an entire media kit for like, you know, two platforms. It just doesn't make sense. And also if you're doing your job right, like everything is constantly changing too. Like your audience is always growing and changing and analytics are changing. And it's such a pain in the ass to update that. Like basically every day that you're sending out a new pitch. So I just like don't, I'm just not a big fan of a media kit. Truthfully, if they ask me for one, I do have one, which I will update for them. However, never really in the past, probably like entire year that I have been doing this, like almost a year that I've been doing this full time has a brand asked me for a media kit. Most of the time they'll ask you for your analytics, which I mean, I'll just send like the screenshots to my manager and my manager will put it into like a reporting tool and it'll give us like a one pager that like looks good, but never will I send them like first things first. Like I will only send them if someone asks because then like, what's the point? You're just like showing all your cards for what? And I'm not saying too, like you should even be secretive about it. It's just, I don't know. The, The point here is, is that don't send your media kit as an attachment in your first email. Media kits are kind of fucking useless. If brands ask you for your analytics and you want to send some type of situation that is not just screenshots, take the screenshots, format them into like a cute PDF and send that over. You don't need to be updating your media kit every single month. Something I also completely forgot to say about this, this pitch email situation is that never include your rates in the email. Okay. Never, never, ever start an email off with being like, Hey, I would love to work with you. Here's my idea. I'm thinking of like a feed post and a da da da. And my rate is $800. They'd be like, bitch, what the fuck? Like, just don't do it. Just don't do it. Have like the foot in the door conversation first, flesh out the idea. And then when you get to the point of talking about deliverables and X, Y, Z, then you can introduce your rates and then you can have the conversation from there, but don't attach your media kit 
Don't include your raids. Literally just send a foot in the door email that is not that long, no attachments. That's my advice. (laughs) Okay, so number seven, speaking of rates type of situation, this is kind of where I'm going to teach you a crash course on how to price as an influencer. This also is not like 100% advice. You know what I mean? Like this isn't like hard and fast advice. This is kind of just my own experience and how I kind of started with my pricing. Now I'm very lucky. Like, I mean, I have a manager, she knows what's best for me and I just, just go along with it. And I think it's fair and understanding and X, Y, Z. However, if you do not have a manager or somebody that you work with or have like extensive knowledge of the industry, this is how I'm going to break it down for you. Okay. So the industry standard that is like actually very outdated is one cent per follower. So like if you have a hundred thousand followers, one cent per follower is $1,000 per post. And so this is like the most basic influencer pricing strategy, but it's also very, very outdated. Okay. Like one cent per follower is unrealistic when it comes to like the actual amount of like labor that it takes to shoot the photo and like go back and forth on concepts and X, Y, Z. Like you have to factor in your time on top of the amount of just your audience. So for me, that kind of looks closer to like three or four cents per follower as like a complete like base rate. So this is like the minimum that it is like for a post just based on numbers, like literally just based on the number of followers that someone has. I kind of like stick to the the three cent, four cent type of vibe because also at the same time, if you know anything like about like social media marketing or even if you don't, like a lead on any other platform and a lead means like, you know, you're paid advertising and then the people who like convert on your paid advertising, a lead is gonna cost you like at least like a dollar, like maybe 75 cents, but like there are, that's like a lot of money, I guess. If you're, let's say you have like a dollar leads, you have 10,000 leads, that's $10,000 that you're spending per lead. Like that's paying an influencer three cents per follower who has 10,000 followers is already so much cheaper. (laughs) So I think that the 0.01 definitely outdated. However, kind of more like the three, four, five, six, depending on, you know, how engaged your audience is type of vibe range is a very good way to just start at the bottom of the pricing strategy of just how many followers you have. That's it. Now there's a secondary strategy that I like to use, and this is the average like type of strategy. So this is really good if your engagement is great for your following. So for me, I kind of like to use the $1 per average like method. So, I mean, let's say you have an influencer who has 1500 average likes, that would equal to about $1,500 for a post. Now, if this is like 1500 likes on someone's, you know, audience who has like 20K, that's really good engagement. Now, if this is 1500 likes on somebody who has 100K, not great engagement. However, both situations are fair because 1500 for, you know, 1500 likes or $1,500 on a influencer who has 20K is a really engaged audience and they actually probably will convert into whatever you're selling them. However, 1500 likes on a influencer with 100K is, you know, low engagement. They probably bought their followers type of thing. And that's a, you know, a generous price 
for the fact that most of their audience is fake. So, I mean, that's like the second pricing strategy that I like to use that also potentially could be one of those strategies where it's like bare minimum number type of situation. So you just wouldn't accept less than that type of number. However, the kind of like fair way that I like to do that is I like to take the lower number. So that is like the 0.03 cent or like the three cent, four cent type of situation. And then also the higher number, which is like the dollar per average like, and I like to average them. So let's say this comes down to an average of like $800 or something like that. That is the absolute minimum that I would accept to create the content. Not even really like that is the absolute minimum that it would cost a brand to create the content literally just based on numbers. And I mean, this is hypothetical. This is not like my actual rates, but like in the example, 800 is how much it costs to just get out in front of my audience. Now you have to factor in things like, you know, your actual time, (laughs) like 800 is literally just the audience. What about the time that it takes you to create the content? What about the time where you have to go do a PR poll at the actual place? Like what about the time where you have to send something back or wait for something or do a reshoot or go through another round of edits or XYZ. Like there are so many factors on top of just getting paid for the numbers. So this is where you factor in, you know, how much it actually costs you to create the content. So you have like your minimum number based on the amount of following and engagement you have. Then you factor in literally your time. So then that gives you the fairest, in my opinion, number where you are valued, like your audience is obviously valued, but also your time as a creator is also valued because I mean, the people who you're reaching out to make a salary and it just is unreasonable to think that you just get paid for your audience and not your time. So that is kind of how I like to break down my pricing strategy situation. Lots of this like is really just based on your account and you as a person and you know what you bring to the table and how much you value your own time and maybe like the equipment you use is really expensive and XYZ. Like it just, it really comes down to you individually as a person. So this is kind of just like ground rules on rates. Okay. So once we have all of our other things figured out, like we have our rate figured out, we have our email lists going, we have the right people to send these emails to. The next thing we actually have to do, step number eight is to send our emails strategically. I know, like I'm a big proponent of Mondays. Okay. Like you guys know, if you follow me on Instagram, I love Mondays. Like I know it's kind of a controversial opinion. Like people are like, fuck a Monday. I think Mondays are like the best day of the week because you get to have a fresh start and fresh eyes on everything. And it's kind of more motivating for me. So I love a Monday. However, Mondays are literally the worst time to send emails. Like the worst time because you've had the whole weekend of people replying to things and sending you things and, you know, getting emails from like other partners that literally aren't even influencers in this brand type of thing to catch up on before you even open a new email that is not like an email thread type of thing. So never, I just, I never send an email on a Monday because we're all busy. Like we're all busy on Monday playing catch up, doing admin all of it. So Mondays are out of the question. Now, on the other hand, Fridays for me, also out of the question because nobody really gives a fuck on Friday. Like people are like, okay, like almost the weekend, I'm gonna get my work done. Like maybe we'll go home early, like whatever it is. They just don't care as much on a Friday as they would, you know, in the middle of the work week. 
And so I also never send out emails on Fridays because what if you send an email and that person went home early? They're not even going to see your email till the next week anyways. So like, why would you chance it like that? So I just don't, I just don't do that. Now, speaking of, you know, times and like going home early and X, Y, Z, something that you also have to consider is where is the company that you're sending this email to? I feel like EST, like Eastern Standard Time, like rules the world because there's so many offices like in New York and Toronto and like all of that where these head offices for the brands are. There's a lot of them in LA too, but a lot of them are in in New York. And so you're kind of a slave to EST. So if you want to get, you know, the good email right at a 9 a.m. when somebody starts, for me, my my time is mountain standard. So I'd have to send that email at 7 a.m. So you just have to be cognizant of where the company is and what their time zone is. So you're not sending them an email like on their lunch break or at a time that is just unreasonable. Like you're trying to send an email at 4 p.m. MST. Well, that's like 6 p.m. EST and everybody's gone home. So just be like understanding of the time zone situation because that has definitely like fucked me up in the past when it comes to emails. And I just, I just don't want to see that for you. Okay. Last thing on emails is like we talked about, like the Monday and the Friday is really not the vibe. So what I do is I send out emails like Tuesday to Thursday. So those three days are days that I send out all of my emails on. And I also, there's like a couple ways that you could do this. But for me personally, what I like to do is I like to send all of my emails in the first week of the month so I can follow up throughout the month if I need to. So for me, that is a lot of emails in the first week of the month, okay? Like that is like, I mean, I normally send like 60-ish pitch emails in the beginning of the month and we'll get into the law of numbers, but that is like a ton of emails. (laughs) And so I'll kind of split them up like 20 emails basically a day, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I'm good to go. What I like to do is I do like to go through and create them all as drafts. Maybe that's like my Monday admin work is craft these emails as drafts. And then on the Tuesday, I'll just go through, hit send on 20 of them. And then that's my, that's my good to go pitch. The Wednesday rolls around, hit send on 20 of those. Thursday, 20, we're good to go. We've got 60 emails sent out in the first week of the month. And so that's kind of how I do it. You can do like the ongoing where you pitch like a couple every week type of thing. I just like to get it one and done so that I can like follow up in the way that I like to follow up. But sending out the emails is totally your own vibe. Next up, number nine, this is the send follow-up, follow-up, follow-up method. Okay. I'm a big proponent for a follow-up. I think that a lot of people will just send one email and not hear anything back. And then they'll be like, okay, well, I guess that's that on that. And then just never, (laughs) never attempt to contact the company ever again. I am not that person. I literally think that the follow-up is actually not annoying. Like people are just busy and sometimes they might open your email and have full intentions of replying to it. But then maybe something happens at work where they need to pull their attention away from it and they it just slips their mind. Like we're just humans. It's fine. But what I like about the earlier type of steps that we were talking about is enabling mail tracker. I can see if the initial email like has or hasn't been answered and if it needs a follow-up. So for me, I usually follow up like three times in total from the initial email. So in theory, I'll, I'll send four emails to one brand, like every each brand, I guess, every single month. So they, there will be like the initial email 
And then if there's nothing, then there's a follow-up. If there's nothing, a follow-up and nothing, a follow-up. So all of the follow-ups are like different type of stages. So this is how I kind of, I guess, organize my follow-ups. So the first email is the week after I sent it. So if I sent it on a Tuesday, I'll send it the next following Tuesday. And this email will just to be like boost it back in their inbox and to refresh their ideas on like the awesome campaign that I have in mind that I think would be really good with the brand. So this is where I can elaborate a little bit more, but here too, like keep your sentences short and sweet. You don't want to send them like a big, big, big paragraph. Elaborate a little bit more, go into a little bit more detail, but don't make it like too heavy in the email. Second follow-up, which is like the third or the, the second week from your original day, this is the sense of urgency vibes. So this is normally where I'm like, hey, like I'm currently working on content now and I would love to include XYZ brand. So this is where I'm like, I'm trying to stress to them that I'm like shooting content and that if they don't eat, like reply to me and we don't figure something out that they're going to miss the boat of the window of the content that I'm shooting for the upcoming like month type of situation. So This is kind of where I stress that. And then also in this email, this is where I ask if, you know, if you're not the right person, can I have the right contact to email so I can basically stop bugging you with my follow-ups? I have no shame in asking this too. And I think a lot of the time people have like no qualms with giving you the correct email because the correct email for that person, like they're getting those emails anyways. So the second email is when I kind of like ask, hey, like if you're the wrong person, like can I have the right email? And most of the time, if, if they do reply to that, they will give me the right email if it's the wrong person. Lastly, the last follow-up email is really just like short and sweet. So this is where I reiterate my idea. Like I'm like, hey, this is how I'd like to work together. This is where I thank them for their time. And then after that, if they still don't reply, I will add them to a secondary list where I will not pitch them again for another six months. And this, you know, has a lot of a lot to do with a lot of things. Like you could have just pitched them during like a quarter where their budget was non-existent or, you know, they were busy or somebody was on mat leave or X, Y, Z. Like there's so many factors. So I just will add them to the list of people to follow up with later on. And that is when I just call it a day. I will not send them another follow-up email until they reply. Like that's just like not the vibe. I'm not sending them like 18 follow-up emails with no answer. Like I, I will send them max the three follow-ups. And then if they don't reply, then that's fine. And they go onto the list and then we'll revisit them at a later date. Last but certainly not least is something that I briefly mentioned earlier, which is the fact that pitching is a numbers game. So law of numbers is literally so legit. Like you really just have to play with the amount that works for you because realistically, like you can't pitch five people and expect like every single one to say yes. That's just unrealistic. And so, I mean, when I say law of numbers, like really it just means like you just need to pitch more to receive more type of thing. You, This is also like a split testing type of situation because for me, my number of pitches that like really works for me is about 60 emails and then I'll get six yeses back, which kind of translates to about 20% of my content in the month being sponsored, which I think is very valuable because you don't want like a lot of your feed to be sponsored content. You just want sponsored content that aligns with your brand mixed in here and there. So obviously you can make money, but you can also have like really good partnerships and bring your audience valuable 
I guess, pieces or brands that they may not have known about while also making money. For me, the 60 is kind of like my sweet spot because 10% will kind of reply. Now, if I'm not pitching 60, it's unreasonable for me to think that six people will reply to me and it will turn into something paid because I'm not pitching like that number and I'm not giving myself as many chances. I think this can be applied, like this logic can be applied to so many things. Like, you know, the amount of content that you put out on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok or podcasts, like the more that you put yourself out there, the higher the chance it is to attract an audience or for something to go viral or someone to like share it or see it or X, Y, Z. So I apply that same type of thinking when it comes to pitching brands. So I literally, like I said, I I pitch my brands at the beginning of the month. I have a number that works for me. Definitely like just play around with the numbers that work for you. Do a month, like just pick the number that you think is reasonable for you. Do a month and then just assess. Like, did they reply? Did they not reply? This is also where I like update my spreadsheet because then I can be like, this was a yes, this was a no. And I can see if I'm kind of on track or maybe I need to like bump up my emails or whatever it is. So law of numbers, like I said, it's just, it's very legit. I love <laughs> law of numbers. And I just wanted to throw this in here because you can't just expect to pitch like 10 people and just get all yeses. That is it for today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to screenshot this episode and share it over on Instagram and tag me at Hey Bitches Podcast. I would absolutely love to chat shit with you guys about this episode in the DMs. Before you go, make sure to subscribe to Hey Bitches wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are an Apple podcast listener, make sure to give the podcast a five-star rating and review. It really helps me out and I would really appreciate it. I love you guys so much. I hope you guys have an incredible day and for now, bye-bye, bitch.